Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Sex and Violence, your weekly punk rock movie podcast. And we're returning with another episode of our beloved interim series, My Grody Valentine. So today we have a wonderful, wonderful... Oh, I'm Gabriel, by the way. Hi, yeah, I'm one of the hosts of the show. You know me and Ryan Snyder. We do a thing. We'll be back next week. Don't worry. But how can I let Valentine's Day pass without doing a very special My Grody Valentine? So the guest this week is an honored guest. We are privileged to have him. It is another of the fine folks at the Whip Around Podcast. First, we had Phil back way back in, oh boy, months ago. I'm not good at dates, but we have one of the hosts of the show. We have Mr. Sean Hayes. It was an absolute delight to speak with him. He's a wonderful storyteller and a great podcast host. And I urge every one of you who listens to this show to also check out the Whip Around podcast. It's a Zell Whip Around with one word, where Sean and Dave DiOrio and Phil and Jilly Epsuga talk about the world and politics in a skewed lens of comedy and news. Uh, yeah, I mean, what more is there to say? Listen up, open them ears, and happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Here is Sean Hayes of The Whip Around. All right. Um, never forgetting that the movie's central plot, the movie's central issue and conflict is that this this teen, Caleb, is really drawn to this girl in, in the group. He really does love her and that's what develops. But he will not be able to be with her much longer you know, until he kills someone to actually join this group. And so after failing once just in front of her, they sort of up the ante and the scene begins where the vampire family, they approach this hillbilly bar. We see them in this absolutely gorgeous shot. You've got to see this for yourself. Anyone who's listening, they come up a rise on foot and are silhouetted against the, the dark American plains, dark, vast sky. They're backlit like in this smoke and they're just staring down down at this hillbilly bar and in they come the door rings and they're framed again inside this bar and it's clear here is a force of nature that this place that no place but certainly not this place is prepared for the the music and the jukebox is very uh you know prototypical you barely even hear it anymore honky-tonk music But once they're in, it all feels like the tension here is never going to stop rising. Severin, the Bill Paxton character, basically drags Caleb over to the bar. And there's a guy drinking at the bar and a grizzled old bartender. And Severin is offending them both aggressively. Bartender, give me a couple of shots, whatever donkey piss you're shoving down these cocksuckers' throats. Hey, hey! You spilled my drink. Well, why don't you lick it up off the bar, meatball? Why don't you lick it up yourself? Hey, ever tell you the one about Buffalo Bill? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hell, you're all right. Come on, give him another. Humorously, but he is upping the tension in the room while in the corner the family looks on. This is all performance. This is all something to show Caleb not just what they're like, but also to say you're either in on this or you are not. And soon the murders begin in this bar. No! 
the audience watch this this thing swirls around us and it is the strangest accomplishment that even while it's their behavior is objectively repellent they're enjoying themselves in this in this way that almost you forget that you're supposed to root against them yeah man i am indeed sean hayes uh, co-host and f- co-founder of the whip around podcast a news slash comedy or comedy slash news. They're sort of vipers in a barrel deciding which is which at any given episode. Uh, We cover news stories in a way that, number one, we are finding the funny in any kind of news story. It's myself and three others, Phil Laporta, who who listeners to Sex and Violence will recognize, I'm sure, Dave DiOrio and Jill Yapsuga. And the four of us are just... News comedy fans at large, open and willing to tear things apart. And that's the whip around, baby. Uh, So I chose, actually relatively quickly, uh, Near Dark, which is a 1987 Catherine Bigelow-directed hybrid, let's call it, uh, western vampire movie with a sort of sprinkling of horror over here and a tiny bit of love story tiny bit critical bit of love story essentially it's the story of caleb this a lot of movie descriptions will call him a cowboy Uh, i disagree he's this ranch hand he's a kid he's a teen in rural oklahoma who one of the first things he says in the movie is wish i may wish i might or you know wish i might wish i may or what the hell ever he wishes on a star to get the hell out of town hell didn't you Oh, Mom. You wish. Wish I may, wish I might. Wish I a thousand miles here And that wish is effectively granted when he ends up on this very strange date with this girl he just met who's oddly alluring and strange habits, and she's aloof, and she uh, is just very unusual, and he is inexorably drawn to her. Before you know it, Uh, You know, they're out on this little date and she's spooking the horses and uh, just he's infatuated with her. And, you know, of course, as the as the viewer knows very quickly, she is not like other girls. Sure, I've met many girls like you. No, you haven't met any girls like me. Sure, I've met any girls like you. No, no, you sure haven't. He gets nipped and uh, swiftly um, gets taken in by this family of hers. It's this small clot of vampires who effectively are bandits if not for the fact that they do drink blood they would fit anywhere in a western as a family of bandits on the run they use guns and knives you know it's 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 the if there's anything that's furthest from twilight it's this so the movie really is this this triangulation of here is a guy who can't decide is he the ranch hand kid and he's a good person is he part of this family of violent offenders that he is drawn to? So we see them fill out these backstories and they feel so intensely. And so it makes sense to the viewer as well why this boy Caleb would be torn between his life with his veterinarian dad and his like, cute, precocious little sister or this gang with you know Bill Paxton as, as Severin, the sort of... Um, young man in the vampire family who is by turns cruel and sadistic but funny and someone you kind of want to be close to 
You know what I said to you? Mama! You know what I said to her? I said, shh. Is it gonna hurt? And then you've got the the vampire parents, um, which, you know, anyone who's ever seen Aliens will begin to recognize a lot of these actors, you know, but you've got the the dad is Jesse, played by Lance Henriksen of Bishop fame from Aliens. And the mom is Jeanette Goldstein, also Vasquez, familiar, familiar with, with Aliens. She's the mom, Diamondback. And seeing their romance. Where are we, Diamondback? What road is it? You got me. Isn't that where I had the flat tire? You pulled over. There you stood by the side of that road, and I just knew you were trouble. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just layer upon layer of why it would make sense that a young man would be torn between the, the good and the light. He literally has a, as Catherine Bigelow said, like he's, he's got this dad of the daytime in his old life, and this dad of the nighttime with Lance Henriksen. And wouldn't we all be torn between our real fathers and Lance Henriksen uh, sporting a gun and some fangs? You bought yourself some time, son. And Jesse, there's something I'm meaning to ask you. Yeah, what might that be? How old are you? Let's put it this way. I fought for the South. South? We lost. <laughs> I remember I first saw this when I was nine, so it would have just come, it would have left theaters, and it's 1989, uh, it was on HBO, fairly certain it was HBO, it was on TV, and my own placement in life, my parents had been divorced for a small number of years, and just, the both of them really, had moved on to significant relationships my father was married and there was a step family uh that i did not particularly get along with though this part of me wanted to there was a there was an issue of not belonging and my mother had found a like a long-term boyfriend who ended up by you know now and for a long time was her husband and it just so i felt very estranged um the character i didn't mention actually i i identified with immediately when i saw this in the basement of my dad's house, I spent every other weekend and summers at his house, um, sleeping in the basement, because whatever. But uh, I remember seeing this, and there's the kid in this vampire family, Homer is his name, and he is, he just resonated with any 10-year-old boy who feels a little angry, rebellious, or kind of in between families or whatever. One more night. I'm going to get my wet dream, boy. All right. He resonated to me. So I remember watching this movie on HBO, let's say, in 1989, watching, you know, the story I've explained, but also seeing this kid in the vampire family who is obviously he's upset because he's not the new kid anymore. There's Caleb now. I resonated with that. My 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 step family came with two boys older than me and more 
tough and whatever. They were in their teens when I was nine. And then on my mother's side, the, the, the man she's now married with, you know, the, or married to, he had a son. And so I remember resonating with this Homer kid in the movie. So I was watching it as someone who was staying in the basement at my dad's house. Not mistreated, but clearly not quite fitting into any of the bedrooms that had now been given out to step-family members. Nor did I feel particularly grounded at my mother's back in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, where I usually lived and went to school, where I was... What am I supposed to be someone's brother now? Am I what, like what's happening? It's clear that I'm not always welcome with the, with the the new man or that son now. So I felt in between things. And so watching this movie, where there is just an element of not belonging and the literal temptations on so many levels of what it would be like to just cut loose and be bad, to just be visceral, to just do whatever you want to do. And I just identify, but anyway, in this hillbilly bar that is essentially the fulcrum scene of the movie when these vampires show up and just tear the, I mean, they just terrorize these people in there and feed on them, trying to push Caleb toward finally killing. But anyway, this kid's laying on top of a table, he's doing whatever he wants, he's barely paying attention, and he just doesn't give a shit about anything. And I remember, as my own teen years were beginning to approach, just feeling like I totally understand it. I understand the push and pull between is it this family or that family that you feel more in tune with. I remember feeling like I I totally get why you would be tempted to be with this family where there's a couple that's been a couple for a long time in charge of it. They know what they want to do. They've raised people to do what they want to do. So anyway, I'm seeing this movie and I knew as I'm watching it, I cannot wait to see this again. Yeah, it was the, the push pull of not belonging anywhere fully. And that is so much of what Near Dark is about, that I absolutely got it at this. And then I watched it at age 11, and then I watched it at age 12, and then I watched it at age 13. It never made less sense, you know? It always resonated with me more and more and more. Only in my 30s now when I watch it do I see the the artistry of the filmmaking to such a high degree. Catherine Bigelow does so much of the violence in the movie and the intimacy incredibly well. But the story and the themes, I mean, I was picking up on that. Uh, maybe that was too early, for some people might say. But I was picking up and feeling understood by that movie way back in 89 when I had just become, you know, two-digit age. By and large, I kept this movie, without consciously meaning to, I kept this movie to and for myself. If someone mentioned it, I'd be like, oh, that movie is awesome. But the only person that I have watched this movie with in any serious way, beginning to end, um, let's not joke about it or, or talk about it, and it organically turned into just watching something we were both really, really responding to as fans and whatever, was my wife, was Kate. Um, and it wasn't that long ago. Uh, it was, I'm going to guess, maybe two years ago where I finally was like, you know, I I haven't even seen this movie in a long time. Check this out. And sitting there and watching this movie with her, I don't know how to explain this except to say she got it. It was clear she didn't wince at the moments where they were trying to express that this family was doing what they do. She seemed to resonate, and we talked about it later, she absolutely did, 
with the sense that belonging is so difficult sometimes that sometimes the best thing is to forge a family of your own because that's a major part of the subtext to a lot of this too. Jesse and Diamondback, this father and mother, have created their own family here. They didn't belong anywhere and so they started their own thing. I'm not going to cast my wife as someone who doesn't belong everywhere. She likes everybody and people tend to like her. However, there's that certain level that I think a truly successful relationship begins to take on and that is it's, it's you and me and then there's everybody else by varying degrees of distance from you but Kate and I got to that place and we've since started a family but I think anybody who's a tight relationship has th- these signs that they're with someone that shares their sensibilities and then they will start a family in a sense because no one's ever going to get them as much as that other person well, that's what I found when I shared this with Kate. And I, I got to think that's part of the reason why I wasn't going around sharing it with a whole lot of other people. Certainly not sitting there in reverent silence while the movie played. And then eagerly and excitedly talking about it multiple times afterwards. But I, I feel like this movie, A, speaks to you know who I was as a kid and who I've, in a sense, always been. Uh, because that, that 10-year-old angsty me you know, didn't just evaporate. He merely grew and got hairier and had more sophisticated ways of explaining how he felt about things. But, so he was always around. My wife has accepted that that part of me, too. And in watching this movie, I could see it through blood spray, you know, through violent explosions and charred flesh, you know, uh, gnarled, exploding, fiery vampire flesh in the sun gripping the steering wheel. You know, all this material she responded to very powerfully, and it just felt like it was more evidence that we should be together. And it expressed this perfect metaphor, really, that, you know, in a way, and and I I swear I didn't plan on saying this part, but in a way, when I was faced with this notion of, oh, is that my family over here and with my dad and this family that kind of they're a little more rough and tumble, these, these, these two sons they have now... Or, no, well, maybe it's over here in Lebanon with this smaller family and I'm sort of somebody's brother now. Well, it was really neither. I'm me and I was looking for my own way, I think. And that's what what my marriage is now. And that's what that movie maybe I don't know, presaged in a little bit of way. So this movie is evidence now. It was an eager share before. It was something I held close because it was so personal or had become so personal to me. But now it's like exhibit (laughs) Z, whatever that I'm with the right person. Not just because she liked the movie, but I think she could understand and appreciate what it meant to me, and it reflected something back in her own experience with her. The movie now with us is a shared experience. I think that for all of that meaning, it's a cool-ass movie that just is layers of important to me. And when she saw that, I don't know, if she had run away, it would have been a huge warning sign. But the fact that she embraced it, instantly got it, and it resonated with her tells me that, number one, I'm not crazy, and number two, I'm with the right person. That was fun, wasn't it? Thank you very much to Sean Hayes once again for sharing that story. I watched the movie in preparation of editing this clip, and damn, he he did not oversell it. This movie is a is a is a doozy. Great, great one. You gotta check it out. 
I mean, check out all of Catherine Bigelow's movies. She's she's just she's just the best. I mean, point break. I mean, come on. So while um, Ryan and I will be back next week, we'll be doing, I believe, Bong Joon Ho's 2006 film, The Host. Yeah, me and dates, not a thing. But I've been teasing that one for a while. Very excited to do it. Um, as always, please subscribe to our show. Write us a review if you please. We absolutely need your reviews more than anything. Give us a few stars. Write down what you like about the show. What you don't like about the show. Tell me to shut up. That's fine. I'm all about it. I can take it. I'm a big boy. Please don't tell me to shut up. It's fine. Whatever. I don't care. We're still running our contest. I'll be posting more pictures for it. Where T underscore Martis, he made for us a custom Warriors poster. So please... Write to us, message us on the Instagram at Sex and Violence Pod, or message us at Top Gallon Radio on uh, Twitter. So please come at us, discuss with us. We would love to give you this free poster because it's fucking beautiful. You can follow me on Instagram at BabyMara of 5 A's. You can follow Ryan at Tango Like Cash. And please listen to other Top Gallon Radio shows, Slow Readers, where Daniel Reichel and I discuss literature and nothing. One last thank you to Sean Hayes. Don't forget to check out the Whip Around podcast. Comes out every Wednesday. Whip Around Wednesdays, everybody. Follow them on social media at the Whip Around on the Instagram, and also the Whip Around podcast on Facebook. Give them some love. Give them a shout out. Write them a review as well. Give them all the stars, cause Sean and Co deserve it. Uh, thanks for listening, and um, see you next time. Love you. Bye. This has been a Top Count Radio production, executive produced by Daniel Reichel and Gabriel Mara. For more podcasts and content, go to topcountradio.com 